It's a good day. I want to back up just a little bit. I feel like I'm like right in your face. And I want coffee to, or Buddy to smell my coffee breath. Y'all ready? Y'all, I'm so excited. It is a, this is going to be a fun message. At least it was for me when I was putting it together. Holy Spirit's so fun because you're getting up like in the wee early morning hours when nobody's awake, everything is quiet, so there's no distractions. And just when it's perfectly quiet, Holy Spirit gets a hold of and you're like, Ooh! And I'm like, you know, in my office chair, which has got wheels, and I'm like turning. I'm like, oh, God, that's good. He's like, I know, right? And I'm like, yes! It's really hard to stay quiet when the kids are asleep. And, you know, more than anything, you have to be quiet as a church mouse because our lab, Noel, hears everything. And once Noel knows that you were up, like, she sleeps in a kennel because she likes to chew up Luke's stuffed animals and toys. So she sleeps in a kennel. And as soon as she hears that you're up, you hear her tail. Because she's just a wagon. Somebody's going to come get me. And of course, you know, when she's up, then Luke's up, and then everybody's up. It was a fun message to put together. We have been working on, or listening to Pastor preach on the word works. We've heard him talk about how to work the word, hope versus presumption, and how to apply faith. And today, we're going to talk about the word attacked. Yeah. Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> Somebody's going, what the chunk is wrong with her? I promise this is my first cup of coffee, and I'm not even halfway through it. This is all Holy Spirit, y'all. But it's fun when you're in the kingdom of God, because when you know that you know that you know that God is good, and you know that you know that you know that he is always leading you to triumph. What do you have to worry about? So you know when he gives you a power-packed message, it's for what? You're good? So it's like when you learn something new, you're like, oh, that's fun. You know, pastor just got given a drone. What do you think he's been doing with it every day that he was home? Like, we've been up, we've been down, we've been to the side, we've been to this side, we've done circles, we've seen how fast we can land, we've seen can we hit the tree. It says you can't, but let's see if we can try. You know, I mean, you get this new revelation, and you're like, oh, let's work it. And that's what this is this morning. Some of it, it's going to come across, when I was doing I was like, Lord, this is, it reminds me of a T.L. Osborne message. I don't know if any of you have ever heard T.L. Osborne minister but he is very elementary. It's not complicated. But I'm going to tell you what, when that man preached, it yeah. felt like a gut punch yeah. of just the power of God. He, I'm convinced T.O. Osborne could have recited his ABCs and you'd have gone out under the Spirit of God. Like the anointing was on his messages. And that's, that's kind of what this was when I was putting it together. It is simple but power-packed. God showed in the beginning was, the Word was with God and the Word. Praise be to God who's always. So what is the Word always doing? So what does any good enemy do? 
Right. I love this interaction. <laughs> you know, we're uh, not watching much NFL right now, unapologetically, but when high school football teams are playing and the quarterback is throwing the ball and some other dude in tight pants catches the ball and he's running to the end zone, what does the opposing team do? He tries to level him. I mean, like, you know, let's just stick the arm out and clothesline him or, you know, tackle him with everything we've got or whatever it takes. He's going to stop the opposing team. I need to switch my mic. Oh, I'm hot when I don't need to be and then I'm not when I need to be. And now we return to this regularly scheduled broadcast. Any good enemy will try to stop you in your tracks because he does not want you to win. Here's the thing. The enemy, Satan, knows the power of the word more than we do. Because not only does Satan know who God is, not only does Satan know who God's word is, but Satan knows who you were created to be. If he can keep the gun and the brass separate, what good is the gun? If he can keep the gun dirty, corroded, full of residue, even with the brass in, how good is the gun? It's a hit or miss. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. That's how many times the body of Christ will operate. Either we won't have the power loaded and chambered, or we'll have it, but we've allowed it to get corroded with the deceptions of this world. And that's the enemy's weapon. The very first thing we heard the enemy do was deceive. Can you bring me down a little bit? I feel like I'm bouncing off the walls. In Genesis 3, 1 through 6, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? His very first sentence was taking the word and twisting it. You see the need for you to understand the word of God? Any good enemy knows your plays as well as you do. So that then he can take it and he can twist it. And that's the very first time we heard the enemy speak. Didn't God say you can't eat from any tree? Doubt. One seed. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said we shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Did God say don't touch it? Mm-mm. So already, the one command, blessing, 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 but one command I give you. And she was like Luke, a seven-year-old. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Eat my breakfast as he's playing with a toy. She only half listened and only half understood. So when the enemy came in, he was very capable 
of twisting the word of God because she was so focused on the goodness, the stuff, that she didn't focus on the word. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Whose image are we created in? So was, call me crazy, but doesn't that mean she was already like God? So she's got her doubting the word, twisting it up, and then the second one, doubting her identity. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, when she saw, and it was a delight to the eyes. Oh, it's so shiny. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise, not knowing that she already was. She took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband, and he ate with her. You see, she didn't keep her thoughts on the word of God. Instead, she entertained terroristic thoughts. She went to her own logic. Well, maybe this will work. She went to situational awareness. Well, he says this is what I should do. And if he says, he probably knows. I mean, there's no other serpent telling me what to do. He must know something. And selfish desires. Lord, I won't, I won't, I won't. Instead of the word which says you have, you have, you are, you are. Instead of going to the word, she went to her head and to her flesh. But then here's the issue. Not only did she take her own self down, she took the one she was united with down with her. And because he was in such hunger to be united with his wife, he set aside unity with the Father. He was deceived in thinking, well, I've got to be united with her. Even if she's doing wrong, I'll do what she says. Instead of fighting for the unity of God, no, hun, I love you. But I know before God walked away five minutes ago, he said, this is the only rule we have. So we're going to obey this. How different do you think it would have been if the head of her household had to put aside deception and stood on the word? This whole world would look different. But instead, he fell for the deception of false unity, the deception of pride that maybe we know more. You see, Satan is a terrorist, and we don't negotiate with terrorists. If God is always leading us to triumph, what is Satan doing? He's always leading us to failure. If God is always, is there any lack there? Does God take a day off? Does God do anything that is not meant to get you to triumph? Then what does his enemy do? Does he take a day off? Does he ever stop doing anything 
to lead to your destruction. That's a terrorist. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We have got to immediately recognize when a thought pops in our head that isn't aligned with this word, it is a terroristic thought. No matter how small. Did you hear how small that seed was? Didn't God say you shall not eat from any tree? It's such a small seed. And we'll just dismiss it. Oh, he was probably just misunderstanding. That's probably not what he meant. It is often so small that it's unrecognizable. But when you get in the Word, and it's so much a part of you, when He abides in you and you in Him, anything that's not Him sets off an alarm. That's what we've got to do. And we can sit here and we can say, and we've all done it if we want to be honest with ourselves. I've done it. I'll read these stories and I'm like, what a blooming idiot. You had every tree in the garden providing you everything you needed. Everything was beautiful. There was no lack. There was no death. There was no destruction. Everything was perfect. You had one rule. You ever-loving knucklehead. One rule. God, if you'd have just had me in there, I'd have made a better decision. Lot's wife, run, run and don't stop. Don't look back for the sake of your life. Do not stop. Do not look back. Okay, Lord. And it's so easy to judge. How many of us have done that? (laughs) We'll read these and think they're idiots. Because the Old Testament is full of knuckleheads. Right? We never would have done those things, right? Let's go to the New Testament. Romans 1. This is New Testament. That's for today. Romans 1, 22 through 25. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks even though they knew him, even though they knew Jesus was Lord, even though they knew this God is good, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God incorruptible, meaning he could never do anything outside of complete and utter goodness. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And skip down to 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who was blessed forever. What does this sound like to you? To me, when I read this, Peter came all to my head. 
To me, when I read this, go look at your Facebook. And this is the South, so two to three months, we might get, you know, a snow flurry. And everybody that's doing this is like, you don't deserve a pet if it's not inside. How dare you put that animal outside? You're just heartless and cruel. Y'all read these? I read these. Like, I've read lots of these, which means they're on my friend list. But these very same people will not get out in the streets during that same winter when there's a man on the streets with no coat, no food, no place to live. They won't get out there and minister the love of God to him. What's the difference? But this one's so soft and furry and cute and lovable and it purrs and it licks my face and it wags its tail. It's a part of my family. No, pets are wonderful, but they're not. They're a pet. They're put on earth for our benefit, for our good. If there are any vegans or vegetarians, it's great if it's for your health. There's, there is adequate reason to do that for health purposes. I just couldn't kill that animal as you wear your pretty little leather coat, snakeskin shoes. Did you know that animal was put here to clothe you and to feed you? That's New Testament, y'all. We're not much different than the Old Testament when we take our eyes off of God. And that's what we've got to remember. The Creator is always first. Because when we put our eyes on the Creator, He'll take care of the created, including our pets and animals. Because here's the thing. Is your pet a part of your crop or a part of your household? Yes. Anytime Pastor and I pray over our house, so daily, Lord, we thank you for the hedge of protection around us, around our kids, around our home, around our vehicles, around our property, around our pets. We thank you that the goodness of God is upon anything that steps foot on our property. Why? Because it impacts us. So if I'm walking in the truth of God, in the power of God, in the goodness of God, then my pet is blessed because of me. But if I'm worshiping that pet more than the creator of that pet, it's not doing anything. I'm actually being quite selfish. It makes me feel so good. That's great. What are you doing to help it feel good? to bless it. It is a created being of God. Therefore, we should honor and respect it as a created being because God created it. But we don't worship it and honor it. God comes first. But the enemy is so small in his deception because in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It says, no wonder, 
For even Satan disguises himself as the angel of light. You see, Satan is not just the father of lies. Satan is the very first one that used a social media filter. You know, those pictures that we take when we have no makeup on, we're looking rather haggardly. But we flip our filter. We hold it at just the right angle so we can't see the double chin. Take our picture. Post it. And if you were to put it on a milk jug, nobody would ever find you. This is Satan, inventor of the filters. And that's what we do. We look around for some, you know, slimy thing with scales and a tail and horns. Oh, I don't see anything that looks that awful and demonic. But I see this wonderful thing over here that's shiny and new, has an awful or awesome engine. Or it purrs. Or it makes me feel good. The light was on at the Krispy Kreme. It's a light. It must be from God. But you know, it says Satan disguises himself as an angel of... And y'all, I'm all about me some Krispy Kreme. Like, it's the only real donut, not Dunkin' like what George says. He's not yet gotten full revelation on this. So just bless his heart. But there's times when we need to look at that gold donut covered in icing, hot and fresh out of the oven, just in time for me to pull through the drive-thru. I don't even have to get out of my car. I could have that sucker gone in seven seconds. The kids would never even know I had a donut before I get home. <laughs> and sometimes we need to hit the gas pedal and go just a little bit faster past that light. You see, like with Eve, Satan comes with what appears to be a sound logic. You've had a hard day. You deserve better. How about this? It's time for you to work on some self-care. I, I try hard to work on my faith when someone talks to me about self-care. You see, I can, all, I can often, I won't say always, because there's some days that pastor goes, because I don't always keep my lips closed when I need to. But the harder thing is my faith. And someone comes and says, you know, I'm just really working on some self-care. I'm like, oh, how nice. Show me the scripture for that in the Word. Oh. Well, I mean, our body is a temple. Yes, it is. And you should absolutely walk in wisdom but I believe there's a scripture in 1 Peter, somewhere around 5, 7, that says, cast your cares, including self, on him. Did that say on yourself? 
No. It said, cast your care on him because he cares for who? You. Do we really believe we are going to take better care for ourselves than the one who created us? I don't think so. But see, that's how the enemy operates. Little small things that sound so good. They make so much sense. You know, let's talk about some deceptions. You know, with that one, it's, here's a couple of them, self-care. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. If you don't care for you, who will? And that's when you say, no, no, no. 1 Peter 5 says to cast my cares on him because he cares for me. You see, when I place my stuff, you know, when I place my bank account, that bank app that Paul and Jade have, when I place that pet that is so wonderful, when I place my kids, when I place my spouse, because y'all know you got to place your spouse in the hands of the Father, you're going to kill them some days. <laughs> when I place myself in the hand of the Father, there's no place I could be that is any better than right there. The shavers are smiling really big. Did you threaten to kill him? <laughs> he apologized. <laughs> you see, God wants us thinking it all depends upon us. But it doesn't. You were never created to do it yourself. You have a father. You have Jesus who is the head of a what? He's the head of a body, the church, which means there are also other functioning parts. We're not meant to do it ourselves. If you want something done right, do it yourself. If you want something done right, get on your knees and pray. How about this one? Somebody comes up to you, how you doing? And here's the deception. Don't tell them how good you're doing because you'll make them feel bad. You need to be a little bit empathetic to play it down. Well, I'm hanging in there, you know, what we're all having to do right now. All right. Not bad. I'm sorry, what of those made you say, whoa, let me serve that God? Instead, you're like, oh, I thought they were like one of them Jesus people. I thought their Jesus was supposed to bless them abundantly. I thought their Jesus was supposed to make them not have to be a part of this worldly ways. They look just like I do. But the enemy will tell you, I've done it. How many of y'all, think back, how many of y'all have been blessed with something really nice and you play it down? Like I've got, now I've got a few, Michael Kors pocketbook. I've not paid the first penny for a single one of those. But the very first one I got, like I'd walk around with it like this. 
you know, covered and tucked as I could. And if I could turn, because there was that little whisper, you're a pastor's wife. You're not supposed to be blessed. You know, pastors are supposed to look just right above the ground floor. Mmm, must be nice. Name brand pocketbook. What's that set you back? 120 bucks? Not even 120 pennies. It was a gift. All three of them. Mmm. Must be nice to have people that love you that much. It is. It's also nice to watch my harvest come up. You see, we make excuses for the goodness of God and feel like we have to cover the light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine because I like pocketbooks. <laughs> you want to take another look? It's not insensitive. It's not uncool. It is doing your ambassadorly duty. Ambassadorly duty. <laughs> You're called to be a representative of who? Not the world? Not your grandmommy, grandpappy? Not your bloodline, not your county, not the church that everybody in the namesake 300 centuries back have always gone to. You're called to be a representative of God, who is the Word. We're called to look different. If God thought that the world was good as it was, Jesus never would have been sent. But the fact of the matter is the world was literally going to hell in a handbasket. And God said they need to see my goodness. They need to see my love. I'm going to send Jesus. Then he's going to anoint and appoint and set apart a people that will look and walk and talk and sound and smell and shine just like him because this world needs to see it's not just parables. It's not just bedtime stories. This is life and life in abundance, and it can be had by all. The world needs to see God in you because they need to have something to hope for. Otherwise, if we take our goodness and we cover it up, we are covering up the hope and the love of God and shame on us. I had to repent for that. How about this one? And y'all, I'm going to tell you now, this is a button for me. Well, God's just trying to teach me something. <coughs> Kenneth Hagin had a, a phrase. He'd say, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. 
Y'all have no clue how many times I've sat here and I have perfected the bobblehead. And in my head, I'm going, Lord, zip their lips because I'm working hard to contain my faith. And on the broadcast Friday, Buddy said something. He said, not everything that happens is God's will. Here's the thing. If everything that happened was God's will, would Jesus be needed? If everything that happens is God's will, would he tell his church to pray, thy will be done? Would we need to stand in our authority and call it down? No. I was ministering one time to somebody who was like, why do bad things happen to good people? And they were plant people. Now, Anybody that knows me knows the irony in God giving me a plant example because there are green thumbs and this one is not. I have killed cactus. I have killed aloe. If it's green, I have probably killed it if it's been in my possession. Out of what, five plants I got for my birthday, I have one that is still living. Praise God. So when God gave me a planty Example, I was like, you know, this is Holy Spirit. <laughs> I said, do you like all those flowers in your flower bed? Oh, yes, Pastor Nicole, I do. Oh, do weeds sometimes pop up? Oh, yeah, all the time. Why are you such a mean gardener? Why are you so bad? not I have I have a big garden oh no 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 you just admitted to me there are weeds in your garden what a horrible person you must be to let those flowers potentially get choked out by a weed I mean no pastor Nicole that's just what happens the dirt has like impurities in it and weeds will pop up you mean to tell me it is not your will for those weeds to be in your rose bed? I see. You see, we live in a corrupted world. And there are lots of impurities in this world. But you can neither plant yourself in the world and be choked out by the weeds, or you can plant yourself in the word and you can have authority over the weeds doesn't mean the weeds won't try to come but it does mean God has already secured your victory and all you got to do is go in there take that weed by the root and rip it out this is why bad things happen to good people because we live in a corrupted world. And we've got to be willing, we've got to be humble, and we've got to be vigilant to look for the weeds that try to get planted in our soul. And when we see them, be quick. We don't, remember, we don't negotiate with terrorists. 
We don't play around with deceptions. When we see a weed of deception, we immediately need to grab it by the root and pull it out. Not, oh, I'll get that tomorrow. Because here's what happens when, I'll get that tomorrow. Did you know tomorrow never comes? Like, it's always today. And there's always something to do. Especially if you got a job or you got kids. Like, there's always something to do. So we've got to immediately rip up that weed. How about this deception? Well, if it was God's will, it would be easier. This is just too hard. It must not be God. Hmm. How about we read Luke 5, 17 through 20. It says, One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. There was a whole lot of people. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding any way, they tried the front door, they tried the back door, they tried the window. Nothing. It must not be God, God's will for you to be healed today, Joe. I'm sorry. No, I don't know. Not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles and a stretcher in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. You see, this paralyzed man had friends whose faith was literally through the roof. Who wants some friends with faith through the roof? It was because of his connections. People with that through the roof faith who would not take no for an answer, who wouldn't stop at the roadblock, who wouldn't look for the excuse to make it easy. It was because of their faith that man received his healing, and walked away. Like, he didn't just get healed of the pain. We're going to leave you paralyzed, but we'll take the pain away. We'll put in a supernatural nerve block. That's not what he did. God's not a God of mediocrity. He's not a God of just enough. God is a God of through-the-roof abundance. And when we surround ourselves with people with that through-the-roof faith, we walk away healed and whole. But what happens when we are the people with that through-the-roof faith? Who is it right now that you're believing for? Maybe they're just, mm, Lord, you better save them. Who shown to God. That person that just came to your mind. What happens if it's you with the through-the-roof faith? When the kids come up with the sniffles or the sneeze or the diagnosis 
that we will not accept. You know, it's when the doctor said, your daughter has a heart condition and we've got to do surgery right now or she won't live. Now, she's always going to have a little bit of a problem, but we'll make it as good as we can. That's when I said, oh, hell, no. Jesus, mm mm-hmm, you got a job. You see, the work isn't mine. The deception is that it's all up to us. If you're good enough, if you do enough, it's all up to you. No, it was through the roof faith. Those men didn't do anything but take their friend to the foot of Jesus. That's all they did. They didn't pull out a scalpel. They didn't wrap a Band-Aid around it. They didn't go, oh, Lord, heal him, Lord. Like, they didn't do any of that. They took their friend and set him at the feet of Jesus. And it's when they put him there that healing manifested. It's when we put our three-month-old at the foot we came boldly to the throne of grace. And we said, Lord, your word says boldly. Lord, you gave us this child. Come hell or high water, she will live a long and satisfying life. So, Lord, we're coming boldly to your throne and we're commanding the will of God to be in her and through her. The enemy's trying to take her out. This is what that tells us. This child has a call of God upon her life. This child will preach and teach the word of God. This child will win souls and make disciples of Jesus. So, Lord, we see that Satan is a horrible poker player. We see what he's trying to do. And, Lord, we will not be discouraged. We realize he has nothing in his hands. He's a bluffer. He's a liar. He's already defeated. So, Father, we put this child at your feet and we declare healing be in Jesus' name. Surgery went well. Nurse overdosed her. Flatline. We don't know. Just if you're praying, people pray. Oh, I got your prayer. She's back. It's wonderful. Everything's well in a week or so. Maybe you can leave the hospital. But just know, you know, when she gets older, she'll probably have problems. You know, scar tissue and all. Thank you. Like, you don't even have to argue with the people. You know, I think it was Buddy and Barrett were talking this week on the broadcast. Y'all need to watch the broadcast if you don't. It's good stuff. They give me preaching material. You are never going to convince somebody that God is good by arguing with them. You always take them to the Word. So when that doctor gave us that diagnosis, we just said, thank you for your opinion. We didn't argue with him. Bless his darling heart and stupid head. He didn't have revelation yet. Thank you for your opinion. And the moment his office door shut, Lord, we reject 
that opinion in Jesus' name. We declare it has, not will, it has come to naught. Because, Lord, we stand on the foundation of your word. Your word is not fact. Your word is truth. You can give me 873.2 medical facts, Lord, but all I need is one trump, one truth from you. And year after year after year, we went back for our little, what do you call them, checkups. Well, everything looks about as good, about be expected. Thank you for your opinion. Door closes. Thank you, Lord, for your truth manifest in her body, in full, in whole, nothing missing, nothing lacking. Lord, we declare not only is her heart repaired, we declare she has a new heart. And on her 12th birthday, we went in, and y'all, it was a thing of beauty. We sat there at the foot of the bed as the cardiologist was doing the little ultrasound on her heart, and we watched his face go, He moved that little thing. He got closer to the screen like that was going to help. He sat back. He looked at his notes. Y'all ain't going to believe this. I sat there going, yeah, we will. <laughs> I was in the room. I saw. I know the precise place the incision was made. I know exactly where the scar tissue has been. I could bring every professional in my office in here. They would not believe me that this child had heart surgery. This girl has a brand new heart. Yes, she does. If it was easy... It would be God. Praise God, he let her live. We'll just deal. At least she's here. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Sometimes it's with faith and, oh, there's that P word nobody likes to hear. It's the don't grow in is believing well-doing? You see, it may not always seem easy. But God says, when you come to me, I will make it easy in life. You see, we didn't toil over a false diagnosis. These men didn't even toil. They went, they walked the perimeter, they saw nothing. They said, all right, there's the roof. Brought him up. Lowered him down. Done. Like, it didn't take them days. It took them, what, maybe a couple hours. I don't know how long it takes to get through a straw roof. But they didn't toil. They just took what it, they did whatever it took to go to the one who does the work. But the enemy wants to attack the word that says healing is yours. The enemy wants to attack the word that says freedom is yours. He wants to attack the word that says you're meant to live in abundance. Well, God, ain't nobody in my family ever had much. 
Well, are you a Christian? Praise God. You got a new DNA. Well, God, every woman in my family for the last seven generations has had breast cancer. Well, praise God. You got new DNA. That stopped with the last one. It won't touch you. Easy and light is the promise of the Father. But sometimes you've got to look for the route that he's putting you on. You've got to look for the path that he says. If it's not easy and light, no, it's not God. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean there's not a path. That's where you go to your knees in prayer and say, all right, Lord, the door was shut, the windows were shut, the back door was shut. I talked to Rufus and he wouldn't let us get to the front of the line. So, Lord, your word says healing is mine. This way isn't easy. Lord, what's your way? See, that's where we need to go. Not look to make an excuse, but we need to go to the Father and say, all right, Lord, your way is easy. It was easy for me to rest 12 years. Now, see, lots of people, women, hear this. It's normal for a mother to worry. Lie from hell, demon bullcrap is what that is. It is not normal for a mama to worry. It's normal for a mama to stand on the word of God and say, my child is blessed. My child is whole. You see, 12 years wasn't hard for me to believe. It just took me believing with faith and patience. I inherited the truthful diagnosis. So when something doesn't seem easy, don't give up. You're not a quitter. You're an overcomer. When it doesn't seem easy, go to the Father in prayer and say, Lord, what's your way? This one ties in. This deception, it's impossible. Why even try? The other day we were doing math, and Luke is in second grade, but because he was homeschooled by Barrett for kindergarten, he's a little bit advanced in some stuff. So he's supposed to be doing addition and subtraction, and I said, well, you're not going to get settled to mediocrity just because you're in a public school now. So I gave him multiplication. So I printed out this paper with some multiplication facts, and he got to eight times four in his eyes. Like two times zero was easy. Sixteen times one was easy. Three times two, easy. Eight times four. He literally looked at me and said, Mama, this is impossible. And I said, no, sir, it's not. First, don't have a negative attitude. And second, you need to change your viewpoint. Matthew 14, 29 through 31. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. How did he see the wind? So if I'm over here and I'm looking at Amy, do I see what Abigail's doing over there? If I want to see what Abigail's doing, I've got to do what? Which means I can't see when Amy's trying to hand me a big old piece of beautiful, moist pound cake. 
and it's my fault that I missed this anointed offering. So, Peter, seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me, it's impossible. I can't walk on water, this is impossible. Save me. And Jesus blessed his darling heart and stupid head and saved him despite himself. You see, it's not impossible. What did Peter have? Before he stepped out of the boat, Jesus said, come. He had the words. And as long as he kept his sight set on the word, what did he do? He walked on water. You see, that's all it takes. When we set our sights on the word, it doesn't matter how impossible it is. When the word of the Lord is on it, it's not only possible, it's guaranteed if we keep our sights set on the word. I'm telling you now, whatever God has told you, I don't care your sex, your gender, your race, your age, your family, your income, if God has given you a word, it's not only possible, but it is guaranteed as long as you will keep your sight set on that word. You see, Satan doesn't even want you trying it because he knows the power of the word. He knows if you get that word in you, all things are possible through him who gives you the strength, through him who is called and equipped you for every good work. So this is why he takes our sights. Hey, what? And it only takes a minute and you lose focus. We're Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance. What do we do? And are we going to do that by keeping our, 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 our eyes off of Jesus? See, I can't win anybody in me. Winning souls isn't hard. Yes, my flesh tries to be nervous when it comes time to talk to people. But winning souls isn't hard when I'm looking at Jesus. When I look to myself, that's when it gets hard. Making disciples, it's not hard. When I look to the Word, you see, we're the teachers that have the answer sheet. Like, we don't even have to do eight times four anymore. We got the answer sheet now, and his answer sheet, even the teacher got it wrong. But we've got the truth that's never wrong. You see, when we keep our eyes set on the Word, it's easy. It's possible. We win souls. We expand the kingdom. And that's why the enemy hates us. That's why there's this next deception. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Holy Spirit weekend. Special services. Lord, I gave you Sunday. But God, three days. 
God, don't you know I work a full-time job? I got three kids, Lord. And now I'm homeschooling on top of all that? Lord, there's not enough coffee. I can't do it. Live stream, live stream. Oh, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm watching on live stream. I'm praying for you. Saturday's going to be great. You're going to win lots of souls. But you know, I got laundry to do. I got grocery shopping. If I don't get it done today, it's not going to get done. It's been a hard week, Pastor. I feel like God's just telling me to rest. Instead of win souls? Hmm. Okay. But, ring, ring, hello, Peggy Sue. Go to the mall with you? Absolutely, that sounds great. That'd do me some good to get out. Let's walk around 18 laps around the Concord Mills Mall. We'll go into every store. It'll be great. Get me some Christmas shopping done. That's just what I need to get ahead of the game. Look how productive we are. Go to the movies with you tomorrow? Sure I will. I'll absolutely sit in a three-hour movie. I can't sit in a three-hour service. Don't tell Pastor. But I will absolutely sit and watch Titanic with you nine times. <laughs> oh, the Olive Garden? Sure, let's go out to eat afterwards. Belk's got a sale. Oh, girl, let's go. How come we don't get exhausted doing any of that? But sitting in a three-hour service. I gotta pee again. Like, we don't do any of that. Well, maybe me. I can't get through a movie without going to the bathroom. But we don't do any of that when we're out with the friends at a ball game or when we're out shopping. Like, we're not exhausted, we're invigorated. We come home, honey, look at the money I saved you. Yeah. I know that one. <laughs> Pastor tried to pull that trick on me the other day. He said, what's this you say to me? Honey, look at the money I saved you. I trained him well. <laughs> but do you see my point? We can go, go, go. Do, do, do. Y'all, I have driven three hours to Southport to spend two hours with my toes in the sand, and drive three hours back, a full eight-hour day, and I get home, and whew, I am ready. I am invigorated. Eight hours doing something for the kingdom, and we're like, whoo, Lord, and this is eight hours spread across the whole weekend. And we're like, whoo, I need a break. I'm all jacked up. You see, the deception is that pastor, the ministry, God's just asking too much. 
I'm not fivefold. God didn't tell me to pastor. That's the job for the pastor. That's what he's getting paid to do. Oh, snap. I'm pretty sure in here it says go. It didn't say go pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers. It said go, therefore. You know what that therefore means? That means therefore, no matter who you are, no matter what you think you got going on, go. Go. Do. But did he? Go. Win souls. Make disciples. Because, see, while you're over here saving money, buying the third pair of shoes just in a different color, there's people that need saving from hell. The issue isn't that we're exhausted after a Holy Spirit weekend or after a mini revival. The issue isn't that we're exhausted from serving or worshiping. The issue is we're exhausting from, de- from fighting a defeated foe. You see, because we will exert all sorts of energy fighting our flesh. I know I need to go. I need this word. Pastor says that Brother Richard is a really good guy. He's anointed. Did you know he traveled the world with, Brother Dr., with Dr. Rodney? You know he's got some anointing on him. I know I need it, but what's on my schedule? Let me see what I got. Mm. What does my bank say? You know what? I'm probably not going to need to go because my bank says I've only got $73, and that's got to get me my groceries and my gas. And you know if I go there, they're going to take up an offering. I don't, I'll just sit at home and watch it. That way I don't feel bad because I can't give an offering. I probably shouldn't give an offering because my bank says I only have $73. I'm just going to give this empty envelope even though God is telling me to give $3. You see, we will fight, fight, fight. Every reason under the sun, we will fight. Flesh versus spirit. That's exhausting, y'all. But when we submit, And we just say, God, I'm yours. You've planted me in this house. You've planted me under this man of God. If he says I need to be somewhere, done. Because you tell me to be planted. You tell me to not forget forget the assembling together, forsake the assembling together. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, anybody heard of him? He did a few small miracles, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, winning lots of souls, just a few. His philosophy was, if God said it, that settles it. But the deception is, but. We got to get our butts out of the way and put God in front. But instead, we've been led by our butts rather than our Savior who saves us from being exhausted. He says he gives to his beloved. Psalm 127, I give to my beloved rest. 
So can you serve God? Really serve God wholeheartedly. Go after him wholeheartedly and be worn, broke, busted, and disgusted. So if we're exhausted, chances are somewhere along the way, y'all, I did it, do it, have done it, not doing it. Repeatedly. Somewhere along the way, we just, what? And got our eyes off of God. You see, that's the attack of the enemy. I don't want you sitting in this service. I don't want you under the word. Because if you're under the word, you're being empowered. If you're under the word, you're getting free. If you're under the word, that junk breaks off. If you're under the word, you're over here rolling in the floor beside Holly and Lisa losing your eyelashes and crying off your mascara. If you're over here in the word, you're probably falling on Paul as you both go down. Because as we submit to God, the crap just falls off. And it gets easy. Y'all, I cannot tell you the number of times I have walked in to this church with all y'all around me. And I walk in going, Lord, I am putting on cheer and I am willfully obeying, but my flesh feels tired. Because while, yes, I have a full-time job, and yes, I have kids, I also have been assigned to a ministry. I have also spent many of my free nights counseling y'all. I have also spent many of my early mornings on the phone with y'all. But God said, go. So I'll walk in, and Lord, I am choosing to put on joy I am choosing to believe that if you have me here, it's for a reason. And I will walk in here feeling poop. I cannot tell you the number of times I have walked out of here feeling like I've had a double shot of espresso. Because the word works. The word empowers. The word equips. The word rejuvenates. The word enables you to do what you've been called to do. I understand, Pastor Nicole, and I would, but the kids. Mm-hmm. I got three of them that from birth to today have not missed services. Never once have I kept my kids home because they were a kid. Never once. Have my kids not served if there was a need that they were able to do? Age has nothing. God says, come to me as a child. That means those kids have so much ability to go to God, to win souls, to make disciples, to love and to minister. But Nicole, it's so late. Yes, it is. If y'all saw Pastor Tracy, you saw Luke laid out on the first three chairs. He stayed awake as long as he could, and then he fell asleep and he crashed. I covered him up with my shawl, and I let him sleep. And when it was time to leave, after all y'all were gone, and we were ready for people to leave, except for hospitality, 
I picked up my baby, I carried him out, I placed him in the bed. You know not one problem was had out of that week. Not one behavioral issue, not him falling asleep in a single class. Neither one of the girls fell asleep during their school classes. Why? I'm so glad you asked. Because of Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, here's the deception the enemy doesn't want you to realize. If I can't get you, I'm coming for your baby. I'm going to take them out before they have a chance to get going. Because if you don't train them today, how well do you think they're going to listen and hunger and walk in the ways of God when they become teenagers? Because you know teenagers know everything. So if somewhere in that everything they think they know is not the foundation of the word, do you really think they're going to walk it? And if we're making excuses for our kids, do you really think our kids are not going to start making excuses for themselves? Mom, I can't serve. I've got homework. Okay, then I guess you better ask God how to get it done. When I call, that's bad. No. No, it's not. I've got straight-A students founded on the Word of God because my kids cannot outgive their Savior. When they give to Him, He abundantly pours into them. Every time. Satan's not taking my kids because I wanted to coddle them and make them feel good. That's what's wrong with the world today is we taught our kids it's all in how you feel. Does this make you happy? You need to do what makes you happy, baby. No. When I was growing up, my daddy had a philosophy. If you start something, you will finish it. I did not like karate. I started it because I thought, how cool for a girl to be a ninja. But then I realized you got to actually work to be a ninja. And my leg is down here. It's not meant to be up here. And you know how much that hurts? Like, as a nine-year-old, the leg don't even go up here. But I begged to start it. And Diddy says, if you start, you will finish. Now, obviously, we are finished when God says we're finished. But my point is, I didn't get to operate off of how I felt. I was raised to operate off of integrity. If you give your word, it'll be done. God's given you his word, it will be done. Therefore, we don't operate off of feelings. I don't understand why my kid's just throwing himself in the floor, pitching a fit and screaming like that. I don't know why. I've told him to say hey to you. He's just being shy today. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Luke tried that, I think, twice and found out twice it did not work. 
boy, I said to say, hey. You'll say, hey, or we'll go to the restroom. I'll pop your tail. We'll come back out, and then you'll say, hey. Which do you want to do? So my kids honor and respect because they don't get to walk by. I'm just tired, Mama. (laughs) I'm just tired. Okay, well, as you're tired, say hey. Then they become adults that think they know something and want to riot in the streets because this president doesn't make them feel good. I'm going to riot in the street because you hurt my feelings. We're raising a world of pansies because instead of operating off of the word of God, we operate off of what makes you happy. Your flesh wants to make you happy for a moment as it's leading you straight to hell. But God says, follow me. Even when it feels to the flesh opportunistic, And I guarantee you will be rejoicing in victory. We've got to teach our kids that even they, even they, stop negotiating with terrorists. I had to teach that to Luke. He got grounded for the very first time this week. And so we had a talk this morning. Do you enjoy this? And I explained to him everything I just explained about the flesh and where it's leading us to and God and where it's leading us to. And you know even a seven-year-old could understand that? And you know it's because we raised him up in the word, it took us the seven-year-old. It didn't take me till seven to get in trouble. I wasn't raised in the word. I got in trouble before seven. But the flesh is going to be the flesh. It's going to buck. It's going to rise up. It's going to feel hard. But what's confession seven? The struggle's what? What? Who struggle? Anybody in here struggling? Now, anybody in here has a flesh that wants to tell you, you're just struggling. I mean, you can raise your hand. The flesh will tell you, it's a struggle. It's hard. But God said the struggle is over. Turn to my word. The word works when we work the word, but the word works so the enemy will attack it. That's the very reason the enemy comes to attack is because the word will work for you. Say it, the word works for me. How many times? Is there ever a time the word doesn't work for you? Ever? Even when it's hard? Even when you're tired, the word for who? Every time. 
God said it. He's not a man that he should lie. But when we take our eyes off the word, we start to worry, we start to care, we start to fear. And worry is a misuse of your imagination. Y'all, every time I have gotten into some big worry, I've got a big imagination. Like, let's just say me and Amy, we come to, like, we ain't in agreement. She's not seeing things my way. And I know we're going to have to have a talk about this. Y'all, I've rehearsed this conversation seven times frontwards, backwards, and sideways. I know no matter what Amy says, I've got a right rebuke for it. I know if she says this, I'm going to say this. If she says this, I'm going to say this. If I do this, she's going to try to do this, and I'm going to tell her how she's wrong. (laughs) And if I'm needing money, y'all, in your head, your kids are in a cardboard box with holes in their clothes. You're just the laugh of the town. Like, with our imagination, we'll see all these problems. But that's a misuse. Worry is a misuse of the imagination because God says I can do infinitely, abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Your imagination should constantly be on, oh, Lord, look at this. There's an issue here. You're going to show up and show out. I wonder if you're going to do it this way. Maybe you do it that way. I need money. I need $500. Lord, I'm going to go check the front door. It's probably sitting there in the screen. It's not. I'm going to go look in the mailbox. You probably put it in the mailbox. I wonder if there's something under the rock where I put my key. Somebody probably knows I put my key there. Like, you need to start being imagining big. I need $500. My God's not just enough God. My God is over and abundantly above. So I'm going to get me some money. Girl, we're going to the Applebee's tonight. No more Wendy's dollar menu. We're eating good. Ribs, steak, big. This is what the imagination is for. The imagination is to work the word. The imagination is to think big so that our God can blow it out of the water and we can say, hey, y'all, let me tell you what my Jesus did. That's what your imagination is for. But the enemy will attack the word. He'll have you forget that your God can do abundantly above. And he'll have you think on all the world could do. They're going to rip you apart. Piece by piece. You won't be able to show your face again. You'll be the laughing stock. Nobody's going to respect you. All that time you put in, all that effort, all those seeds sown, for what? For you to be broke. You're not going to have anything. You won't leave an inheritance for your kids. That's when you go, oh, 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 eraser, word, word up. (laughs) So here's how we avoid deception. We stay in that word. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you just a little in bondage, a little less in bondage than you were before, free. 
F-R-E-E-E-E-E, free. Here's a common complaint we get. Pastor, I don't know if it's me or God. I am so glad you asked, you know, as we keep the word before us, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You want to know if it's you or if it's God? Get in the Word. You see, so often, prayer and the Word is what we go to when things get really bad. When it's just a little bad, I got this, it's okay. I don't need to, I don't need to call on pastor. I don't need to ask somebody to stand with me in prayer. I don't need to go to the Word. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, no, it is. It's a mustard seed of faith that can move mountains. It's a small seed that plants choking doubts. We've got to stay in the Word. Number two, we've got to be purposed in life. Purposed in life and life in abundance. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal but I came that you, how much life? Abundance. God sent Jesus for you to have life and life in abundance. We've got to purpose ourselves in that life, not in living. We've got to purpose ourselves in life and life in abundance. John 17, 3 says this is eternal life. If you don't know eternal life, let me tell you what it is. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What's that mean? That means in every facet of your living, he wants you to know life. In every day of your coming and going, God sent Jesus that you would have life, that you would know God's will, that you would see God's will, that you would manifest God's will in you and through you is the love of God, the power of the Savior, the fullness of your salvation. But we've got to be purposed in it. It doesn't just happen. How many people you want to see walking around naked? None. Aren't you glad they purposefully got up and put on some clothes? We've got to be purposed. There's a work that will be done. Easy in life when it's the word. But we've got to purpose ourselves to pursue life. If it's not life in abundance, it's not God, and he doesn't want any part of it. God has no part in lack. God has no part in mediocrity. God only operates in life in abundance. We pursue it by watching our words. Oh, that scared me to death. No, it didn't. Because we take no part in death. It's just a saying. Yeah, it was just a saying that created the world. 
It was just a saying that created you. It's just a saying that creates anything you call into being. It's just a saying. Life is on the lips. Death is on the lips. It's not just a saying. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word. So what are your words? They're either God or they're anti-God. Does God operate in death? So if it's not life and abundance, should it depart from our lips? No. We've got to take our thoughts captive. Immediately grab that root of the weed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Which means before it ever leaves our lips, it's here. And if we let it stay here long enough, it'll get here. And if we let it stay here, then it will come out of our lips. We've got to take every thought captive. Assess whether it is life or death. I don't give a rip about facts. Is it truth or is it not? You see, facts are always changing. I mean, let's just look at the beer virus. How many facts have we had presented to us? Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. Take this drug. Oh, no, the president said take it, don't take it anymore. Wear this mask, but don't wear it here. But if you don't wear it here, you're cruel and, you know, just horrible. The CDC says this, the WHO says that, the president says this, the boss says that. Our nurse friend's uncle's cousin said this. I mean, there's tons of facts. But every one of them is trumped by the truth. So we have to take our thoughts, hold it up against the word. Does it line up? Does it balance with the word? If it doesn't balance with the word, we need to immediately weed the garden. And then we pursue life by seeking him first. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not yours, not your spouses, not your pastors, not your co-laborers. Seek first the word. You got a tight calendar, you got a tight schedule, you need to get something done, you got a tight budget, you need to pay for something, great. Seek the word. What does God say about it? When a coal, it's not in the bank. When SunTrust tells me I have this. No, it doesn't mention SunTrust in the bank, but it does mention that you were a person who is blessed and highly favored, coming in and going out, blessed to be a blessing. It says, speak these things and it shall be. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It says your pastor has been given as a blessing to you. It says forsake not, which means when we come to the body, when we come to the Lord, when we come to our pastors, he will equip us with what we need. Go to the word every time. Seek him first every time. Lord, I only have $2 and something in the bank, but it's offering time. It doesn't meet the need, so it must be my seed. 
I can't believe you gave your last $2. If you had just paid $2, it, they would have seen at least you were making an effort. $2 is not going to pay a $500 bill. I'm going to sow it because if I sow a tomato seed, I'm getting me a tomato sandwich, baby. So if I sow $2, oh, I'm getting me a heap load of blessing because that's how my daddy works. Always go to the word. Always seek him first. He says, by his stripes you were, not being, not will be. You already are. Every one of these blessings, you already are. But the word is attacked in us so that we don't see. That's why this is an empowering message. Because every one of us has given every one of these excuses. We can't look and laugh because we know the spouse did this. Every one of those we have all done, self-included. You know, one day I was so worn out and I just laid in my bed crying. I'm like, Lord, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a minister. I'm an employee. Lord, there's no time for me to just be me. I don't know who I am anymore. I'm exhausted. I can't keep doing this. He said, who did I call you to be? You called me to be a wife. You called me to be a mom. You called me to be a minister. He said, who is that? That's me. But then he showed me I had been working more for my business in the doing of life than I was for the kingdom. You see, we don't get exhausted working for the kingdom. We get exhausted working for the world. Now, I'm not telling you to go quit your job. God says if you don't work, you don't eat. But you work the job that he tells you to have. But it comes second to God. I am a director of HR. You know what I get the wonderful opportunity of doing? Working with people. I get to help them. I get to bless them. I get to pray over them. Every one of my employees, I pray over even the ones I haven't met. When I'm in the payroll system, I see their names. Lord, bless John Smith. Bless Johnny Shaver. You see, because my company isn't my first thought. The kingdom is my first thought. Lord, you put me in this job for a reason. I am, first and foremost, an ambassador of God. Therefore, if I am not working for the kingdom in this place, I am not being who I was called to be. I am called to bring life and life in abundance to everywhere I go. But when I take my eyes off of the word and I put it on the stuff, I get exhausted. The word works in every aspect of your life. You will never outgive God. He will always pour into you. 
But the question is, what's our focus? Is it on earning the living, climbing the corporate ladder, pleasing the spouse, making the kids feel good, taking care of yourself? Or is it the kingdom of God? Seek first the kingdom. When you go to the grocery store, Lord, where do you want me to start? Start in the frozen food section. Lord, that makes no sense. You know it takes me an hour in this store. Is my ice cream's going to be melted. Go to the frozen food section. Because there's a person there that needs my love. Lord, what do you want me to do with my kids? Lord, how do you want me to minister to my spouse? Father, what do I do in my job today? I know I have five meetings back to back. Right now, it doesn't even look like I get a lunch. But Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to put this presentation together? Because Lord, no matter what I'm doing, I am going to seek you in all things. You will find the presentations will be better. The groceries will go easy in life. The kids will behave. The marriage will thrive. Because you sought first the kingdom of God. And stay under the word preached. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, are you a man or woman of God? This is for you. All scripture. So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Are you missing anything in life? No matter what you're called to be, no matter what you're called to do, it doesn't matter if it's the first day doing it or the first decade. If you were called to do it, you have been equipped but we have to keep the word as our God. And when the attacks come, remember, first and foremost, remember this, because the attacks will come. The enemy is not going to let you just slide through life winning souls by the bucketfuls without something trying to go wrong. But every weapon formed against you it said, will not prosper. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Now listen. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You see, if we're not focused on the word, we're operating out of a fear of death. The word is life in abundance. God says, I have already rendered him powerless. The struggle is over unless I choose to pick it back up. The enemy is a defeated foe. So when I walk the word, I walk in life. 
Sometimes the attacks on God's word will come from the people we love most, like the family or the friends or the co-worker. Matthew 16, 23 says, He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You were a stumbling block to me, for you were not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Now, I'm not telling you to go up to your friend and say, Amy, get behind me, Satan. I am not telling you to do that. But what I am telling you to do is say, thank you for your opinion. I love you. And then you take that word and you dismiss it because it's not the word of God. Shock and all, Mama and Diddy don't know everything except for yours. It doesn't matter who it is. Look, Pastor, you've heard Pastor and I say, everything we say, you better check with the Word of God. You need to be a good Berean. You need to study the Word to show thyself approved. No matter who says it, you've got to hold it up to the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the Word, it is not disrespectful to people to dismiss their opinions. It is quite the opposite. It is love for you to say, I love you, Barrett, and I appreciate your opinion, but I read over here in Psalm 127 that he'll give rest to me. I understand I have a lot on my plate but there's a service tonight that I want to go to because the Lord tells me he'll give me rest. I know you have my best interest at heart. I know you just want me to get sleep and get rest. But I've got to chase after God like tomorrow may not come because tomorrow may not come. And if tomorrow comes, then I'm going to stand on Psalm 127 and I'm going to go to bed. And I may only, mine may only get five hours of sleep. But I'm going to wake up like I got nine. Because that's how my God works. Thank you for loving me. But I'm going to do what the Lord says. And she watches the Lord bless me. She watches light flow through me. And then one day... I need you to tell me why it works for you. I need you to tell me why you don't experience the struggles I experience. You see, it's not disrespectful to dismiss the ways of the world. It's love to highlight the ways of God. Other times, it's just worldly ways and outright demonic attacks, something like the tree in the garden just looks too good to resist. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Everyone has struggled with something, be it self-esteem, maybe an addiction to porn, maybe drugs, alcohol, an addiction to food, addictions to shopping, Addictions to the negative. I've known people that if something wasn't going wrong, they just didn't feel good. But God says, flee those youthful lusts. You know what flee looks like? 
It doesn't mean entertaining it. Well, I'm working on this. No. Work the Word. Don't work the addiction. Work the Word, and the Word overcomes the addiction. Work the Word, and the Word overcomes everything in your life. Flee youthful lust. You are not a child. You cannot stay home building Legos and eating popcorn all day. You've got to be a man and woman of God anointed to go and make disciples. Flee youthful lust that will not profit you anything. But pursue first the kingdom of God and it adds everything. And then lastly, in all attacks, the answer is simple. And it boils down to James 4, 7. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he, he will flee. The enemy is a defeated foe. There's no losing the battle to win the war. That's not the way of God. He is a defeated foe. That means in everything he is a loser. And in all things you are victorious. So when we submit to God and we say, Lord, I want one more Oreo, just one. Do you know how hard my day was, Lord? I just won, just one. I'll eat an extra salad tomorrow. You don't. Lord, I, my husband doesn't have a shirt that looks like that. I just need to buy one more shirt. It would look so good on him in church. No. Lord, no. Yes, Lord. That's submitting. Submitting is saying, you said it, so be it. You will not, will not understand all the ways of God. You know why? Because your God is too great. Because we and our corrupted flesh cannot fathom the uncorruptible love of God. There is no shifting shadow on him. Everything he does is good. And we can't, while we say that's wonderful and praise God, we truly cannot fully wrap our minds around everything God does is for our good. We can't yet understand it to the full because his love is just that great but when we say lord i don't understand and lord it doesn't feel good to my flesh but you you said it so be it lord i don't want to confess this what if they think bad of me you said it so be it Because he is always leading you to triumph. And when you stand on that word, you can look to the enemy and you can say, be gone. And he's gone. 
Because when your focus is on nothing but this word, you know who he is and you know who you are and you cannot be deterred. I could no more walk up to Serena and say, Serena, you aren't Serena. I know you thought you were, but you're not. You're really Carrot Top. She probably don't even know who Carrot Top is. Do you know who Carrot Top is? See? Now, if I walked up to her and said that, she'd be like, ooh. Why? Because she knows who she is. She knows she is Serena Crabtree. I couldn't talk her out of that because she knows. Do we know who we are? You see, don't let today's message be a day of correction. It is not in any way, shape, or form a day of correction. It's a day of enlightenment. It's a day of empowerment going, oh, I've used that excuse. Oh, that's what the enemy was trying to do. I see that. I recognize that. I know that seed brings that mess. Lord, thank you for showing me that. Thank you for showing me the lies. I'm not, do not take one ounce of condemnation on anything said today, but instead walk out of here rejoicing for success, rejoicing that the plan of the enemy was revealed. You see, when Thomas Edison created the light bulb, it didn't work a thousand times. And an um, interviewer one time asked him, how does it feel to have a thousand failures? He said, I don't have a thousand failures. He said the light bulb was invented with a thousand steps. Today is your step. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, no matter what lie or deception you've fallen for, today is the step where you realize there's more of the word for me to behold. Today is the day where you take the word and you stand on it in that area that you didn't even realize was there. It's not been failure. It's one more step leading you to victory. Close your eyes. So we have all messed up. We've all lost focus. We've all taken our eyes off of the word and put it on the situational awareness. We put it on the facts. I want you to think of that area right now. What area is it that you have really toiled with? That you've struggled with? Everybody's got one. Self-included. Because we're constantly learning and growing more and more into the revelation of who we are in God. And that's a thing to praise God for. So right now, Lord, the thing that you have brought to our remembrance, where we have not 
work the word, where we have allowed the word to be attacked in our lives, Lord, we repent right now. Father, we thank you that you are love and that in all things you are always leading us to triumph. Lord, I thank you that your word tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And Lord, when we come boldly to the throne of grace, we receive grace. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you are pouring out upon each and every woman here today, upon each and every woman watching on live stream, upon each and every woman watching this seven years from now. Today is their day of grace, and today is their day of empowerment. Lord, I thank you that today you have cleaned us off of the mess. I thank you, Lord, that today, as iron sharpens iron, you are sharpening us to go and do and be who you have called us to be, no more, no less. Lord, I thank you that you love us. Before we were in the womb, you knew us by name, and you had a plan and a purpose for my life. Lord, today we commit to you to work the word, to seek you first, and to no longer allow the word to be attacked in our lives. We will not negotiate with terrorists. Now make this commitment with me. Lord, I commit to you I will work the word in every area of my life, great or small. The word will not be attacked in my life. I repent forever taking my eyes off you. I commit this day. You are the director of my life. You call the shots, I will obey. You say it, so be it. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me each and every day to be who God called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, or you recommitted. If you said today that message was for me, keep your eyes closed. If you said today that message was for me, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. 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 I see those. I see that one. Yeah. Isn't God good? Look up. Isn't God good? Hand after hand raised. Because of the goodness of God. You see, John 3.16 says he came to save the world. And so many times we stop there. But John 3.17 tells us not to condemn the world. You see, this isn't a condemning message unless you're not listening to the word. You hear that? 
The only way you walk out of this message feeling beat down is if you didn't set your sights on the word. He said Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to love on it, to save it, to lead it to goodness. You've got a ditty that loves you unquestionably, to no end. He knows what you did. He knows right now what you're thinking. He knows you're telling me to shut up. He knows you got to go pee, but you don't want to pee because I made a reference about it. He knows you just want to go eat. He knows you're wondering if the word will work for you. And he's telling you today, try me. Seek me first. I promise you, I'll show up and show out. Because that's the God you serve. You are a mighty being in the kingdom of God. I don't care your background. I don't care your finances. You are a mighty being in the kingdom of God. You are a threat to the enemy. You are a powerful weapon that will destroy the works of the enemy. You, today, not just when X, Y, Z, today, that's who you are. And today, God is saying, no more can the word be attacked in your life because today you hold the word as your guide. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Father, that you are always leading us to triumph. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that even when we willingly looked away from the word, you still help us to pull back the veil of deception and see the truth. Again and again and again and again, you pour out your goodness to us because you were a God of love. Lord, we receive that love today. Say it. Say, Lord, I receive your love today. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the body that you've surrounded me with. A people of power and might a people walking in truth. And Lord, I thank you that this week you will bring to remembrance this message, reminding us on the days when it just is frustrating. You will bring to our remembrance, Lord, this message and remind us to stop and look at your word. And Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not condemning us. And thank you, Lord, for relentlessly loving us. Thank you for being our good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen.